episode 122. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and I am bringing you tremendous stories from business women all over the world in all sorts of different industries so they can talk about their business journey so yours can be inspired by it. I've got a great story to share with you today, but before we begin, it is time for our Biz Women Wednesday series. <laughs> Every single Wednesday before our main interview, we take a second to shine the light on an amazing woman who's a part of the Biz Women Rock community. Today, I'm honoring Elizabeth Diaz, who owns Healthy Oasis, which is a really cool nutrition club that offers meal replacement smoothies and energizing teas, all that good stuff. And um, she's actually part of Herbalife, which is a whole product line in and of itself that she actually uses to be able to help all of her clients. Elizabeth, great job out there, girl. You're doing such amazing things. If you would like to see how you could be highlighted in our Biz Women Wednesday series or to find out more about Elizabeth, go to bizwomenrock.com. My guest today is Marion Gold, who owns Moonbeams, Lilacs, and Roses. Her company creates custom jewelry that is handmade by her every single piece um, with lots of beads and um, just uh, stones, beautiful pieces. Uh, And she started out not only in jewelry, but does like pens and letter openers. And there's an incredibly touching story as to why she started this company that I want you to listen for. Um, But she actually has an entirely different company as well. This company, Moonbeams, Lilacs, and Roses, is actually um, what I guess we would all call a passion project. Um, That something that she just does, she loves, and she has done a great job of making a very successful business out of it on top of her other business, which is Marion Gold Communications. She also does marketing and communications um, and also has a publishing company. So this really is a story. If you are somebody who has a lot of different interests and are very entrepreneurial and are constantly sort of starting things and starting businesses to fulfill the passions and the skill sets that you have, Marion's story is a great one on how she's actually kind of put all her fingers in these different buckets and has been very successful with all of them. So um, it's a great story to listen to. So let's get rolling. Marion, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I am so excited to have you here and to be able to share your story with everyone because my goodness, it's a tremendous one. You are a very, very experienced businesswoman who has such a beautiful story. So I would really love to start a little bit about at the beginning, um, really before you even started any of your companies. Can you explain a little bit uh, about what your business background really was? Oh, sure. Um, I spent about 12 years as a medical editor, writer, and a journalist uh, working for a variety of healthcare publishing companies, including the American Medical Association, where I, I was an associate editor on JAMA, which is their base publication. Uh, but I slowly but surely was feeling that some of the things I was writing about really also needed to be marketed, and I had the opportunity in 1980 to get a part-time editorial position with a company called Frank J. Corbett, Inc., which was a very large medical advertising agency in Chicago. And they had a small division that they had started called Pragmaton that they wanted to grow. And so it basically was a part-time editorial position 
we were billing less than $100,000 a year at that time. And in 13 years, we were a multimedia organization, of which I was general manager and executive vice president, with 13 people working for me. Holy cow. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, I learned a lot, both from the people I started to work with there, who were the account executives and the head of the agency at that time. And so there was a lot of nice mentoring going on, and I tried to pass that on because as I added staff, I did sort of give a little bit of, um, oh, I don't know what you want to call it, but I liked hiring other women and helping them grow their own professional skills. In fact, at one point, my boss, who was a man, said to me, you know, one of these days somebody's going to say that you are being prejudiced against men. And I, my answer to that was when I find a qualified man for the position, I will hire him. <laughs> and I did. Atta girl. <laughs> I did. We had some, uh, a few very good men working for us as well. But I, I enjoyed the mentoring, and I've always felt that women in business need to take the opportunity to mentor women. And I think you really are doing that with your own um, the own activity that you're doing now. So it's a, a big pleasure for me to be able to participate in that. Oh, well, anyway, to go yeah. on with that story, I was there for 13 years, and you get to a point where you say, I am not going to grow here anymore. And I did get to that point. Basically, I wanted to be president, and I wasn't going to be president. So I decided Why, why weren't you going to be president? Point. Well, it was sort of the old story of... Um, how were the male executives in the parent company going mm. to feel about that? And is the company ready for that, to have its own president? Everything seems to be working well. You're growing. Um, but it wasn't satisfying me enough, right. whether it was ego or it wasn't really money. It was just I wanted to do more, and I wanted to do it on my own. Got it. And so I did leave at that point and started um, marrying gold communications that make a difference. And I left there at the end of 1993 and started the company in 1994. I started it as the marketing division of a publishing company that I had actually started in 1981, where I would buy manuscripts and publish them. And it's a, it's a small company, um, but I've it has its own website, and that's brittanypublications.com. And um, I spent attention when I was working on the manuscript, but uh, really was doing a lot more of the marketing. That was my expertise. It was it was just frustrating that new authors were not getting their works marketed as well as the famous authors. So I made a commitment to say, I'm going to do this very small, and I'm going to make sure that the books are marketed. So that's a, it's a small company, but it keeps going and growing, and I'm happy with it. And I was very happy with Marion Gold Communications. Um, did a lot of ghostwriting, a lot of um, writing for magazines under my own name, a lot of articles published in women's magazines talking about mentoring and the professional opportunities for women and marketing within the healthcare community. Shall I go on to Moonbeams because this is how I kind of... No, well, well, we're going to get to that in just a second, but I really want to know, really to zone in because your expertise um, in your profession has really been writing and communications and effective communications and marketing, and there are so many 
women who are part of the biz women rock community who are listening and um and in their own businesses they are needing to write articles they are needing to put content out there from your experience can you give maybe a couple tactical real things that um you can suggest that you know every piece of good writing has in order to market itself well oh absolutely first of all the old journalism things of who what where when and how and the big so what you've got to appeal to the audience that you're going to and sometimes that audience isn't really interested in what you have to say so you have to find a bridge a synergy between you and the audience and one of the ways to make those contacts and to even if you're looking for freelance opportunities is to join trade organizations and volunteer in community organizations where you're going to make the contacts you want to make and by meeting those people and working on the right committees you begin to get a sense to what is it i need to tell them about myself or my product or what i want to write about that's actually going to appeal to them and you you sit down and you sit down with it with paper and pencil and you set out a tactical plan these are the kind of people that I need to network with. These are the kind of subjects that they're interested in hearing, and this is how I have to position myself, my product, my idea, my company in order to reach those people. Mm, great advice, and uh, it's all of those things are very, very true. Um, I definitely want to transition into how you even came up with the concept of moonbeams, lilacs, and roses because it's a really special story. So, can you share a little bit about that? Yes, I certainly will. Um, In the year 2000, my father had passed away, which was a pretty big shock for me. And uh, you're never kind of ready for that, and I certainly wasn't. And I was going through a transition period. My mother, who was still living, had been spending years taking care of him during the time that he was ill. When she passed away, I went through a whole metamorphosis, I guess you would say. It was very, very hard for me to write. I was working on a book. I didn't want to write on the book. I just didn't want to, I couldn't put my mind to it, really. The grieving process seemed to be taking a lot longer than I had ever anticipated it would. And my father, who had always been my hero and remains that way, I began to recognize what an actual great impact my mother had had on me, the years that she was taking care of him, the creativity that she had not expressed during certain times of her life when she was raising her children. She used to do these drawings of, of beautiful models using a just a pen and, and pencil. And on a piece of paper, she'd sit down with me and she would draw these beautiful things. And so I began to draw as a child. And then when I um, went back, to clear out the house, I found more paper tolls. She also worked in paper sculpture. And I found several other things that I had never even seen that she had been working on, that she had put away and never shown to anyone. The talent she had was so incredible. And so I found boxes of beads, literally boxes of beads. Um, My grandmother's old jewelry and some of the beads that had come off of those. And I had no idea what my mother ever intended to do with any of those things. And I guess I got fixated on them. I brought them all home, and I began looking in the craft magazines, which she had dozens of craft magazines. So I began looking in the modern ones. The other thing I found was a box of old ballpoint pens. My father was sort of known as no one who would ever throw out a ballpoint pen. 
<laughs> I mean, there was a like the pen pack rat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found a finding. They call them findings. The things that you sort of make beaded items out of um, for pens. And so I went into a bead store and I began looking for pens that or beads that would fit those findings. And I began to do beaded pens, and then I began to do letter openers to match them. And I found that I was getting so much pleasure out of that part of my creative life than I could ever have imagined. And I found a, um, I went into a shop, a local shop. This was in downtown Chicago. The shop was Curascoro. And they, I used to shop in there, and they had these wonderful, like, eclectic things, all of these handcrafted things from people all over the world. And I showed her the pens, and she ordered them. Oh, wow. And she then asked me about doing the um, letter openers, and she started to carry them. And I thought, my gosh, you know, this could be a business. And my significant other, my boyfriend, said, well, you know, you want to think about a website and marketing yourself a little more in that business. Now, this was a whole new marketing experience for me. Right, because this know, is entirely... I was entirely... healthcare yeah. products, uh, you know, writing... Um, uh, position papers for people, and so this was all different. I had to market myself differently. I had to really recreate my persona to fit what I was doing. I got to ask you, did you have like any sort of um, challenge at the time, like any like internal battle? Because I know a lot of women who have multiple interests that are very different kind of go through this where they're like, you know, my personal brand is over here with Marion Gold Communications, but now I'm interested in this, which is completely different. How do I kind of co-brand myself so that, you know, as people are Googling me, like I'm all over the place or coming up in completely different industries? Like, did you kind of go through that step? Well, I did. And I created another name for myself. Uh, Marion Gold became Miriam Bat Rachel. Mm. Miriam was my Hebrew name, and my mother's Hebrew name was Rachel, and Bat means daughter of. And so I created Miriam Bat Rachel. Wow. And I kept those personas separate, except in a few instances when people who knew me as Marion Gold and had clients that they wanted to give gifts to started buying my pens and my letter openers. <laughs> and so there was a little crossover. And I ended up saying, okay, now when I go to networking things where I could be either Marion or Miriam, how do I do that? So I had two separate business cards. And of course, Moonbeams, Lilacs, and Roses became the creative arts division of Brittany Publications. So Marion Gold Marketing Communications was the marketing division. Moonbeams, Lilacs, and Roses was the creative arts division. So that's the way you could kind of tie it all together. That's the way I could tie it all together. But what would I do with my business card? How did I do the two business cards? So I created a package. Um, I had a small envelope, and I would put my two business cards in the envelope, and then I did a, a label for the outside of that. And the envelope itself was only slightly larger than a business card, where I literally said, meet the two personalities of Marion Gold. Oh, that's great. That's very and unique. I like that. And I use that, and it sort of worked. People looked at me both ways. Now, of course, with Moonbeams being a little bit bigger, I do more marketing directly. Um, to And the funny thing about that is I do a lot of marketing to women business owners that have a need for sophisticated but very creative jewelry, but it has to reach a certain level of sophistication. So I've kind of 
joined the things that I like best, that is helping other women business owners, but in a slightly different way than Marion Gold does it. Marion yeah. does it in, with a different type of creativity. So that's actually worked quite well. But it is, people ask me about that. Um, sometimes book authors will say, well, I've written fiction, now I want to write something in nonfiction. Right. And I say, well, you still have the writing skill, but you're just marketing to another group. And that might mean going to a different trade organization. It might mean doing something else in the community where the people who might have been interested in your fiction might also be interested in your nonfiction. But more likely, you're going to have to go to a different audience. So you need to go back to your original tactical plan and modify it. A little bit where the audience is concerned. And I love that because that goes back into the advice you had given in the very beginning, which is like know your audience and know what appeals to them. And then, you know, just, um, you know, change accordingly. Um, I'm really curious because, you know, something that, you know, if you're listening, you need to know that, Marion, you hand make every single one of these pieces. I mean, it's not like we're not talking production. We're not talking manufacturing of these beautiful artistic pieces. I mean, this is you hand making all of this stuff. So what I would love to know is that how did you go from one store, one shop in Chicago ordering stuff from you to to like, you know, having a full fledged business of orders coming in? Like what were some of those steps that you took? The first thing was a website. Um, I made the smart step of hiring a professional to design the website. You know, when you're in business, you have to know what your skills are and what your skills aren't. And designing websites was not one of my skills. I can design a book jacket. I can design the inside pages. But even with book jackets, I hire an outside designer to do that. And I tend to design the inside of the book myself because that's editorial. And so that's a different skill. Um, you have to know what you don't know. And what I didn't know was how to set up a website. I mean, I didn't even know how do I link this to PayPal so that I can take credit cards because when I first started, the site was up and I was doing, you know, modest amount of business because I would let people know about it. But they had to order directly from me and pay by check because right. I couldn't take credit cards. And I wasn't big enough to want to go through the expense of, signing with merchant accounts with different banks and taking different credit cards. It, it was actually too expensive for me to get into when I started. So PayPal was there, and I didn't even know how to hook up with PayPal. Now I could do that on my own because what I did was when I had my uh, Internet design company set it up the first time, I also very smartly consulted with them so they could show me what I would need to do when working with PayPal and making changes in what my merchant account looked like, et cetera. So little things like that right. um, that I had to learn. And I found those very challenging because I was always used to doing everything myself. And even though I managed people and I had to delegate, it took me a while to learn how to delegate effectively so that the people that were working for me felt satisfied with the work that they were doing and that I felt satisfied with what was coming out of my shop, whether it was the advertising agency or... Um, and with Moonbeams, I guess that that part of my business is so personal that I, I don't do things for mass production. I don't even think about it because I would lose something that's important to me. I look at my base business and my base goals as being within 
the marketing and communications and consulting business, but my pleasure, the time that I spend when I'm not doing that, and I do limit the time that I do the editorial work and the publishing work, the pleasure time, the time that lets me look outside at a hummingbird and feel that different surge of creativity, it's very personal, and I would never give that out. If you know, I ma- couldn't crimp a bead, I learned how to crimp a bead. <laughs> I don't even know what crimp means. Crimp, I mean, other than the crimp that I used to have for my hair. Anyone but, out you know. there who's listening, <laughs> who's ever done any beading, they know what a crimp is. It's it's the little thing that ties the beading strings together and you put something over them so that your necklace doesn't fall apart. Oh, okay, <laughs> see, there you go. That's what a crimp bead is. <laughs> but you have to learn how to do it. And I had, in fact... Um, the person who actually taught me how to crimp was uh, the gentleman who really sold me my first commercial bead and helped me go through some of the beads that I had found in my mom's house and tell me, well, I think this is from here and this is from here. And he had a shop called International Beads in a very old building in downtown Chicago that was started by his great-grandfather, Beads and Buttons. And his, his name actually was Ronald Klein. He just passed away this past month. And uh, that, I was felt very hurt by that, but then I actually sat down with some of the, the first beads that I had ever bought from him that I still have and made something out of them. So it, it just, it's a very personal thing to me, and I enjoy it so much. I just, I wouldn't be able to give up a part of it. I mean, if I designed something and Tiffany saw it and said, you know, could you make three dozen of these, I would say, well, I can make three dozen using the similar stones, but they're not all going to be the same necklace. Right, right. So, So, and that's part of the artistry (laughs) of it. Yeah, that's part of the artistry of it is that, you know, it's really, it's just so custom and it's so um, exactly opposite than manufactured, which I think is so beautiful. Uh, What I'm hearing and that I love, and this is so different than, than most things I've really heard is, you know, we usually have you know, the woman who's building her business and she talks very passionately about needing downtime and needing, excuse me, needing time to be able to go do her things that she really enjoys and and that sort of like fulfill a whole different side of passion on the outside so that she can come into her business and feel fulfilled doing that. But it's not often that you hear that outside passion actually becoming a business itself and and being monetized. So um, I just think that that's such a unique concept. And I think I love the fact that we get to hear this story because I often think that it's looked down upon to actually do that because it's going to be too much and there are two divergent paths and how are we going to do that? But I mean, you're really driven by the passion and that the time you spend doing this stuff, which is just incredibly fulfilling. So I just, I I love that. Um, What I would really love to know is how you, like what sort of marketing tactics have you used that have worked really well to market moonbeams, lilacs, and roses? Like how have you gotten it out there other than just kind of putting up a website? Like what what strategies have you used that have been really effective for actually getting people to come and, and become clients of yours? Well, the networking. Uh, some of my best clients have been people that I've actually worked with in the past, um, people who have worked for me, people that knew about me and what I was doing. Um, the articles that I wrote about why I started the business brought me in a lot of business and a lot of really nice notes too. The first thing I did was propose an article 
to one of the trade magazines that I had written for as a healthcare communicator. There was a um, magazine called um, Healthcare Marketing, and they actually were focusing on the healthcare professionals' personal lives because there is that balance that you have to strike between them. So I sent them a note, and I said, this is what I've been doing and why I did it. And they said, gee, write an article. And I wrote the article, and that was the first time, that was very early on, that I reached out to the people who knew me as Marion Gold, executive vice president of Pragmaton, um, knew me that way, and said, oh, my God, you know, look what she's done. And I started getting notes from people that they didn't know how to channel all of the frustration and energy they would feel when something happened in their lives that made their lives change. Mm. And that was it. I mean, I got a, oh, I got an email from a woman in Ireland who had lost her parents, and she had been a writer, and she couldn't write. And she read what I did, and she thought she could now channel that into something and looked for something to do that was going to be creative that would satisfy that. The other thing is that you have to remember that um, you know, I had the corner office. I had a big corner office in a beautiful high-rise in Chicago, you know, the six-figure salary and all of the benefits. I had wonderful people working for me, and that wasn't enough. It still made me want something more, whether it was in that business or, as it turned out, something more that was a different part of my life. And, and that balance was provided. Women do it in different ways. I mean, some women um, start little home companies and they start off doing little crafts. Uh, I did do some advertising in some trade magazines, but I actually felt that that was not effective. Hmm. The consumer advertising in the jewelry business um, you, is really quite different, especially if you're not looking to have a hundred orders come in a week and doing the same thing over and over again because right. all of my pieces are one-of-kind pieces so the website was very important what I had to do was learn how to market the website and that really was best done by making sure that the keywords were there and you were on Google and you were on Yahoo and you were in that more electronic venue which is still much harder for me by the way mm. um, I still find that I like direct mail and their targeting the audience is important. Like, um, I have actually a campaign that I'll probably start the beginning of uh, 2015, where I have a list of Arizona successful businesswomen, you know, like the Million Dollar Clubs, that right. sort of thing. And then I have to look at a way to be able to get lists like that that are national. So that's a goal that I have. Got it. That out for 2015. So it's reaching out within your own community, the people who know you as one person and now need to know you as another. Um, direct mail, I'm a fan of direct mail. You put a stamp on something, and I have to tell you, direct mail now, and I tell this to people when I'm doing press materials for them, there is so much email and so many electronic press kits going around that this is the time when you send something in print, people pay attention to it. Right. It's true. And so I'm a true believer in direct mail. So I do a little bit of very targeted direct mail. Very nice. Well, 
Marianne, I really want to transition into our favorite five component of this interview. So are you ready? I guess so. <laughs> ready as I'll ever be. You're going to have to answer no matter what. So <laughs> anyway, okay, so here we go. So I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite book? Shoshana's Song. Ooh. S-H-O-S-H-A-N-A apostrophe S song. Nice. And um, I will say and be honest, it's a publication of Brittany Publications. I published that book uh, the beginning of 2013, and it was a finalist in the New Mexico-Arizona Book Awards program, written by a man who spoke in the voice of a 16-year-old girl. Oh, wow. And it's uh, on Amazon, Shoshana's Song by Jerry Marcus. As an editor and a writer and a reader, it's just one of the most beautiful stories. It's a very feminist story about a young woman who wants very much to maintain her religious orthodoxy, but doesn't want an arranged marriage. She wants a career, and she wants to pick her own husband, and it follows her life and her friendship, her close friendship with a young woman of a different orthodoxy. One is Jewish and one is Catholic, Irish Catholic. And they become very close friends. And it follows them together as they grow both in their professions and in their personal lives. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Very so cool. that's my favorite book. <laughs> very nice. And uh, you guys, you will have all of these links on the show notes for this uh, interview. So you can check it out there. Okay, second question is, what is your favorite tool? Um, any sort of tool or app or anything that helps you make your life easier? Well, I don't use apps. I don't even have an iPhone. I have my old Nokia, and that's my cell phone. That's um, old school, I, man. That's very old school. <laughs> Tell me about it. I can't even replace it. So I guess, I guess my best tool has been my growing knowledge of how to work my own website and the computer. I really, frankly, don't know without email and without the computer how we effectively reached out to as many people that we wanted to reach out to, whether it was with a, a, a article that you've written, whether it's um, even with a press kit reaching audiences that you wouldn't necessarily reach by mail, um, even with my jewelry reaching audiences in other countries that I wouldn't even have thought about. I've just begun to get into that. So right. for me... It's the computer. Nice. Absolutely. What is the favorite piece of jewelry that you've ever made? The favorite piece of jewelry that I've ever made, um, it was working with, it's actually a piece that I still have. It's amethyst and a stone called Charite, C-H-A-O-R-I-T-E, which is mined at the Charo River in Siberia. Oh, wow. And when I bought my first charite stone, which was in around 2005, I think, it was affordable. I can't even afford to buy the raw stones now because they become so dear. The mine is running out. So I did a piece that was a very large um, pendant, and the stones that I used to work around the necklace were a very fine amethyst, and amethyst was my mother's favorite stone. It shows you how you know how personal this can get. Right. I love that piece. It's um, it's on my website, but it's the piece that I show most often. 
in terms of the beauty of natural stones. Natural stones are so pretty. So that that's my favorite piece of jewelry that I make. Excellent. Sounds beautiful. Okay, number four, where is your favorite place to eat in Scottsdale? You are in Scottsdale. I'm an Arizona girl. So where's your favorite place to eat there? Los Olivos. What is it called? Los Olivos. It's nice. just off of the Scottsdale, um, the Scottsdale Mall Park. That is the uh, Civic Center Park, and it was started in 1950s by the same people who are running it today. Wow! In fact, when you look on the walls, it's a, a Mexican restaurant. Um, wonderful, wonderful food. Moderate prices. Um, the pictures on the wall of the people who started it, you can see the family resemblances to the people who are working there today. And I love going there. It's it's colorful and it's happy. And whether it's lunch or it's dinner, anybody that comes into town, I take them to Los Olivos, whether it's a client or it's a friend or it's family. And it's where we go on special occasions, our birthdays, our anniversary. I want to go to Los Olivos. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I love it. Awesome. I'm going to have to try it. I don't know about that place. I'm going to have to try it. Um, okay, and last question, once again, focusing on Arizona. What is one of your most favorite Arizona moments? And I'm, I, my mind is thinking in the space of like maybe a particular area that you have visited in Arizona that's really cool, but that could go wherever you want it to go. Well, I'm going to take it back to the park, the Civic Center Park, and I'll tell you why. I had just been you know, just been living here a short while, and I was just getting used to, you know, having a hummingbird feeder and all that sort of thing, and I was wearing a very bright green and pink shirt, and we were just sitting in this lovely area in the park that had a fountain and lots of trees and flowers around it. It was like a little alcove just sitting there talking and enjoying the beautiful, beautiful weather. And this little hummingbird came right over to me and just was fluttering around my shirt. I mean, it was just two inches from me. And it just stayed there watching, unfortunately looking for something to eat, and I couldn't help it. But it was just, it was such a beautiful moment. And I take a lot of walks to that park now. I mean, I walk anywhere from two to three miles a day. And park is always on part of that walk. I either start off there or I finish there, but I always walk through that park because the ducklings are there at certain times of the year. I think it's one of the prettiest spots in Scottsdale. Oh, how cool. I love the hummingbirds. And I just love it. It just, it, if I've been working, like if I've been working on a press kit and I'm really tense and I've got to think something out and it isn't, I don't want to go to my jewelry to do that, I'll go for a walk over in the park and I'll find that, that alcove, which is right there and you can hear the water from the fountains and the ducks are sort of walking around and it's just beautiful and that changes my mindset take a big deep breath go back to work love it well Marion, i want to thank you so much for taking the time out to be with me today and um, i just really appreciate you sharing your story well i thank you very much katie it's a very nice opportunity and it's kind of fun to talk about the things you love to do I got to tell you, that was the first time that I've ever had anyone really explain to me what seemed like a very successful way to have two completely different brands and be the person who's representing those brands. Um, You know, it's sometimes kind of annoying when you see somebody and they're like, well, here's my card for my one business and then here's my card for another business. But like it happens. I mean, I do do that. I have two businesses. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I loved how she... 
um, made it really sexy. Like, hey, find out about the two personalities that are this, you know. I just love that. So um, I think so many of us have many different ideas or many different businesses that we're kind of trying to juggle. And um, I really love the how she approached everything. It was just very natural. And at the end of the day, it's all about her because at the end of the day, it's just it all comes together. At the end of the day, it just all comes together and makes sense in its own weird way. So I hope you really got something great out of this, something you can use for your own business, and I will see you on the next episode.